fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, it is the Mass and All Access podcast. Paul Mancano alongside Bobby Blanco. Bob, thanks for going with me with the. Yeah, uh, I, kind I don't of know just what I was jumped in on there. Yeah, I was. I let the I let the mood of the moment, you know, feel. I never think about that kind of stuff beforehand. I know you don't. I was just I doing. Want you just those, kind of. Yeah, just go just, with it. Just make it up on the, for those yeah. not watching. I was doing kind of a, tra- uh, a travel system. Is this NFL? Is this delay of game? This is delay of game. No, right? this is a uh, legal procedure. Illegal procedure. Delay oh, of like, game. Delay of game. Yeah. Delay of like game is the arms, the arms on top of each on, other. Yeah. But the, also like NBA travel. Like yes. LeBron, you took seven steps, but it's traveling. <laughs> but that would never be called. No, so. because they never called traveling in the NBA. This is true. Yeah. Um, we are only covering the hottest team in the American League today. Yeah. Uh, and by the hottest team, I mean probably the second hottest team because the Yankees are good. The Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> Are on fuego and yeah. fuego, Bobby. In fuego and fuego, they are very hot right now. Um, honestly, it has been a very good month um, since the beginning of July. It has been very good to the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, they finished July five hundred. They have been five hundred in the four games in August. They have been five hundred since the All Star break. Um, yeah, that is. Way better than what we've seen the first half of the season, and uh, they're putting together some solid wins, scoring some runs. I was at the game on uh, Saturday night. That was mm-hmm. a, just actually a really good baseball game. Entertaining had everything. All the stars came out to play. Everyone on both sides were playing really well. Obviously, we saw Vladdy Jr. hit two home runs on Thursday. Um, but heard, Trey heard, Mancini hit the Trey bomb. Yeah, on uh, on Saturday night, and uh, still just here raking. Bullpen was able to close it out. He had such an impressive at bat on Sunday. Mancini did, and I think it was his first at bat of the game. He fouled off a couple pitches and ended up hitting one opposite field down the line. The guy is just, he has turned into such a good hitter. Yeah. Just he can hit to all fields. He has power to all fields. It is, it's not just, you know, the, the first couple months of the season he was hitting everything. Now it seems like he hit a little bit of a blip in like June and he was frustrated about it and he went back and he fixed and the issues that he had it just doesn't seem like there's like really a hole in his swing yeah yeah he has been so solid at hitting any kind of pitch and he used to i mean you know his style has always been aggressiveness mm-hmm. um and that still is his style but he he knows how to lay off pitches in the dirt he knows how to lay off the high fastball way more than he did last year way more than he did at the beginning of the season he just is is a professional freaking hitter now. Credit to um, Orioles Radio's Kevin Brown. Not that Kevin Brown. Not that Kevin Not Brown. Not that other Kevin Brown either. Yep. Orioles Radio Kevin Brown. Yeah, the 15-year-old Kevin for Brown. For this statistic, Trey Mancini is tied with Mike Trout for leads for home runs hit off fastballs in the American League. They both have 21. That is nuts. Tied with Mike Trout. Mike Trout, a generational player, future Hall of Famer already in his own right. And Trey Mancini just going step for step with him when it comes to hitting home runs off fastballs. Just don't throw him a fastball. No. Just well, uh, you talk about him being able to cover off fields. It starts with him being able to cover the plate. Yeah. I think he can hit any pitch in the zone over the plate. He can hit outside, inside, obviously straight down the middle, yeah. um, high or low. He's doing a great job, and this is something that he's probably tweaked and worked on since his slump in beginning of July, late June, right? Yeah. Um, where he is 
one, being more patient, not yep. just going out there hacking. Obviously, slumps get frustrating. Players kind of just go up there and start right. hacking. But two, you know, he's being able to cover the plate entirely with his yeah. swing. And whether it's outside, pitchers can't beat him outside or inside or low anymore. He's finding a way to get the ball into play. And that's then increasing his spray chart by exactly. hitting to the all, all parts of the field. And it feels like he rarely swings and misses. He had, uh, on Thursday, that Vladdy Jr. game, he came up with the bases loaded and just hit a, a sharp, sharp line drive that ended up being a double play. But it was like, they just he's making solid contact. Yeah. It would have been a base hit if it were two feet to the right. Like yeah. His exit velo seems way higher than it has been. He has developed into a darn good hitter. Yeah. A darn yeah. good hitter. And this is something that we... Not, surprising it's yeah. something we knew yeah. he had um in him and, and that you know the Orioles valued right he's gonna be one of their best and not just a guy that hits for power is gonna hit for home runs he's gonna hit for average too yeah. he's hitting a almost 300 right now 280 280, 280 so getting back up to that range yeah. um and while also adding 20 plus home runs and probably close to 100 rbis speaking of 300 hitters we got to talk about maybe the hottest hitter in the Orioles lineup Anthony Santander. Santander. What a day he had on Sunday. Uh, his own personal fan club of British scouts out in left field behind him. Yeah, I missed that. I, I, you have to coach me up on what actually happened. So ridiculous. So we're playing the video for those who are watching the video side. So I, when I first was watching this game and Jim Hunter mentions that they're scouts, I was like, not like baseball scouts, right? They're scouts, British scouts, that go and just kind of explore America. Like Cub Scouts? So they're kind of like Cub Scouts. They're like a little bit older. They're like high school age. Uh-huh. Um, and it's like, you know, mixed boys and girls. And they, they, they're kind of dressed like Cub Scouts or, or Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts. Um, but it is, it, they were all over him yeah. on Sunday. If, so Just watching a girl... What, did she just go she buy bought, a Santander? She went to the team store and bought his jersey. And then screamed, I love you. Yeah. And <laughs> the... <laughs> so they were obviously all seated behind him. And I think part of what sparked them getting insanely hyped over him yeah. was that in the first inning, he threw out a runner at third on a great throw. Somebody tagged up from second on a, just a terrible decision. Mm-hmm. And uh, he threw out a runner at third. And the they Blue just Jays had a lot from, of those this weekend. Yeah, yes. Oh, the Blue Jays are... They had so many... Bad defensive blunders all weekend. Yeah. They, they, they are a bad team. Yeah. I mean, especially now that they trade away their guys, they're a bad team. That Saturday game, obviously the call at home plate, which is kind of the turning point of the game, yeah. um, didn't allow them to take the lead. But they, I, I got to go back and check, but it felt like they left like 20 guys on base. Yeah. Or, or gave the Orioles at least four or five outs. Yeah, they are. They, they, now, that, especially now that they have fewer major league players, they're a bad team. But anyway, uh, Santander had that fan club, and it seemed like from that moment on, they were just in love. And if you've watched the video of him, of them, uh, a video got retweeted at Mass and Orioles by us because one of the, the, the fans out there was, like, taking it with their phone, and they're doing soccer chants out there, which, <laughs> you know I don't watch soccer. It is so incredibly entertaining. I'm forever blowing bubbles. Pretty bubbles in the air. That one? That was, that was not one. that one. I like that one. Who, who, what fans do that Ooh, one? I'm going to have to have intern Brendan or Cam. Uh, <laughs> my, Soccer uh, West experts. Ham? It might be West Ham. All right. That would have been a fun one. If, if Adam Jones were there, that would have been a really That's fun true. one. Uh, they, it was like a call and response type thing. And it's funny because like it's, it's like the, the version of like the Yankees like bleacher creatures. Yeah, it, yeah. it was like they were call, you know and waiting for him to acknowledge. Um, and anytime he made any kind of routine 
uh, catch out in left field. They would just go nuts. nuts. <laughs> and he awesome. and he was playing with them a little bit. Like he would he got you know would throw the ball to him, but he would like wait and try to find the right person. And after the game, he had some nice things to say. Fortunately, they won, and they got him on the game, the the broadcast right afterwards. Yeah. Um. And he said, and then he tweeted out something really nice. What a cool experience! It was. It is West Ham forever. Is it West Ham? Um. But no. Yeah. That soccer chant. That that's pretty cool. Um, it was awesome. Yeah. It's cool. Like having a lot of uh, British baseball fan visitors this year. It's Obviously, a big baseball year. bit Brit. Excuse me. Stopped by uh, earlier this season, and now we got a bunch of teenage. Yeah. British. Cub Scouts <laughs> cheering Anthony Santander on. <laughs> I was not uh, at the game, but people who were at the game, fans especially, said it was the best moment at Camden Well, it looks Yards. like it took over our broadcast because they yeah. kept showing it every, after every play him just throwing the ball into the outfield. This morning, it was the front page of ESPN.com. Wow. That's hilarious. Is, that is I did get a, So I, I did get a push notification on my phone. Did like you? I get MLB at bat yeah. updates and ESPN, and I think I got both notifications <laughs> being like, Santander has his British fan club. And I was like... What? Yeah. I didn't really, because I figured we would be talking about it today, and I was right. Absolutely absurd. Uh, and frankly, he deserves a fan. Oh, well deserved. It's not like they picked, you know, just a random guy that was only going to be on the team for two days. Anthony Santander has been low-key very productive. Yeah. In his 50 games with the Orioles, uh, he is hitting now 296. Slashing a 296, 344, 485. His OPS, if he had enough games, which I don't know at this point, it always shifts the, the qualifications. He would be second on the O's to Trey Mancini with an 820, 829 OPS. Yeah. He's been crushing the ball. Um, all of a sudden, I mean, he he had obviously had a, a fewer games, around 30-some games last year with the O's, only hit the one homer. This year, he's already got eight homers. He's still 24 years old. He's pre-arbitration eligible. Remember, he was a Rule 5 pick. This dude is is turning into a low-key producer. Oh, absolutely. I, I think what I am most impressed by are the RBIs, the the batting with yes. runners in scoring position or the ability to drive in runs. You're looking at the Orioles' standings right now. He's He has 31 RBIs. That puts him six on the team. And basically, half the games that everyone else, like the yeah. next highest... Games is 65 by Pedro Severino, who's tied for eighth with just 29 home runs. And Pedro Severino is a catcher, so he doesn't play every day. Yeah, yeah. The fact that Santander is almost in the top five, if he would have 32, he'd be in the top five on the team for an RBIs. And look at oh, 93 by Hans Alberto, 84 by Dwight Smith Jr., who's also been hurt, uh, 111 by Jonathan Villar, 105 by Trey Mancini, 106 by Renato Nunez. He's doing it within half the games, and he's yeah. putting himself at the top of the list in terms of RBIs and, and across the board. Like you said, he's not qualified yet because he doesn't have an, yeah. enough games under his belt. But take that away. He's producing in the small amount. I mean, he's had to be played every day. Yeah. Brendan Knight has to run him out there every day because he's being that productive. And we've seen him inch his way up to the batting order. Like yes. He's now hitting higher in the batting order than he has ever had when he's been here before. And when he first came up, he was obviously hitting, like, what, seventh or eighth? Right. And now he's hitting the top four. I think he's a, another product of this kind of no-pressure environment that yeah. just kind of guys step up. If, if you have a shot and he's been given a shot, just take advantage of it. And Dwight Smith Jr. had a very good first couple months of the season, and then it just kind of seemed fluky. He just yeah. kind of fell off. Um, he had the concussion. He's obviously struggling with injuries right now and, and has missed time. But he has been not nearly as productive now as he has was for the first couple months of the season. For Santander, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the fact that he's a big, strong guy. I mean, he is built. The guy yeah. is built. Yeah. He's big. Um, 
it doesn't seem fluky. It just doesn't. It seems like he has the ability to stick around at least for, you know, it, it seems like these numbers could sustain themselves for the last couple months of the season. In 50 games, yes, they're not enough for him to qualify as a team leader or amongst league leaders in, in some of these categories, but it's enough of a sample size where this, like yeah. you said, not a fluke. Like he's not 25 games. It's not 20 games yeah. and that he's playing because of injuries. No, he's now being run out there every single day. He's basically been in every, every day guy since July. Yeah, since the beginning of July. So, uh, I mean, let's just look at July till now stats. I mean, that doesn't make that the qualifier. He's got to be amongst some of the league leaders. It definitely Orioles leaders in terms of RBIs, batting average, two ninety six. Again, looking at these top ten in RBIs, no one else. I mean, we're not uh, Hans Alberto hitting three fourteen, but Ridiculous. then it's <laughs> Santander right there hitting two ninety six. I mean, so it's it's yes, it's a small sample size, but it's enough where no, it's not a fluke. Yeah. It's actually him being productive and playing really well and. Bobby, I think it's interesting. This is a good kind of transition point because we talked about a, a week ago around the trade deadline. I think that the Orioles, they didn't they didn't feel the need to trade anybody and they were probably smart not to trade anybody at the deadline. But they probably at the beginning of the year wished that a Mark Trumbo was healthy, maybe that a Dan Straley had worked out. So they Alex could get Cobb. Alex Cobb. Uh, maybe even Michael Givens was would have like a sub four ERA. That some of these guys would be trade pieces, and I think you can say that that didn't come to fruition. It wasn't a big deal, you know. It's it's not like a huge loss that they weren't able to get anybody that was a good trade ship. They did yeah. trade Andrew Kashner, of course, um, but that that it where whereas that kind of didn't come to full, maybe wasn't fully part of the plan just because of luck or whatever other factors. The Orioles, the other goal of the season was to find diamonds in the rough yeah. and maybe turn them into major league players. And we've gotten that so far yeah. between Hanser Alberto, Renato Nunez, who is approaching 30 home runs between now Anthony Santander, the Oriole at John means the Orioles have found several Pedro Severino, Pedro Severino have found several young Stevie guys. Wilkerson. I mean, that was that, that was a big goal. I would say that's like the most important part of the season is trying to find these guys. I think in terms of, the people they already had on the roster, yes. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, we've talked about how the big days on the calendar have already come and passed, draft right. day, J2, and uh, the trade deadline. Uh, but in terms of who were, was already here, yeah. yes, that's a big part of it. Mike Elias and Sigma Idell and Brandon High need to know who they have. Because, I mean, obviously you can't just, you know, give up everybody and start from scratch. Like, you, these are your Players that are gonna that are here right now are gonna be here in the long term. You know, you have to find out who those guys are, and we've talked about that. Uh, that they have to get their own scouting reports because again, this is their first year. Say for a handful of guys that were signed in the off season, these aren't the guys that Michael Elias and Brandon Hyde have brought in. Yeah. Some of these guys were here before and from the old regime, and so they need to figure out which of these guys can be for the long term or in their plans. Um, for this rebuild and big, hey, you know, like you said, Santander, 25, pre-arbitration eligible. You know, this is a guy that they could keep around for a long time and think, all right, we have our left fielder for the foreseeable future. Yeah, or or at least it, he, the fact that he is just his age 25 season, the fact that he is close to, um, you know, he is still so far away from free agency. Yeah. Makes it seem like a little bit he's more in the, would be slightly more in the plans than... Um, somebody who's 27, somebody who's 28, you know, like yeah. he, it just seems like he could be, and if he keeps this up, he could be actually somebody who actually sticks around. Who's not just a trade piece this off season or next off or next trade deadline. Right. But a lot of this stuff is 
those storylines are fun. The fact that they're winning is is very fun right yeah. now. My question for you, Bobby, <laughs> is it too much? Is it too much? Are the Orioles too good? Are the Orioles too good? And I know I obviously These are the questions we're asking ourselves on August fifth. This is only half sarcastic, but because the other point in the season is obviously you are trying to win. Obviously, Brandon Hyde is trying to win every game as are the players. Mike Elias said last week when he met with the media talking about the trade deadline, I like it more when we win than when we lose, and it matters. It, it is something on the forefront. That being said, a first number one overall pick, as we saw with Adley Rutschman, is pretty nice. Too. It's pretty nice. Those are really valuable pieces. Yes, yeah. And, it, you know, that, that being said, you know, some years the drop-off between one and two is bigger than other years. I think mm-hmm. this year was one of the... Last year was a big year for them to get the number one overall pick. I think... You know, the, the the fact that there was a clear-cut number one overall yeah. guy, there isn't that every year. But the Orioles, as of late, how well they've been doing, just some stats. They've won 10 of their last 17. In July, they're 500. They've had a win streaks of 3-3 three and three at times and a couple two-game win streaks. They are four games up on Detroit now in terms of the number one overall pick ranking standings. They're just one game back of Kansas City, so if they keep continue to win, they could pass Kansas City and, and be in the third place. Um, the question is, are they too good? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. I mean, I don't know, because for me, getting back-to-back number one overalls, like we saw the, what the Astros did with that kind yeah. of ability, the, the fact that you're able to grab. Now, again, we talked about this during our draft coverage, too. Adley Rutschman was a clear-cut number one pick this past year, and we knew that a year ago. We knew that that, that guy, he, as long as he was healthy during his last season at Oregon State, he was going to be the number one overall pick. We knew that. As of right now, I don't know if we know who is the clear-cut favorite to be number one overall next year. So I did some research. In 2020. I don't know if it's clear-cut now, and you know anything can change. The guy, his name is Emerson Hancock from Georgia. Okay. He's a right-handed pitcher, and according to Jim Callis, who's the guy for the draft, said he would have been the first pitcher taken in the 2019 draft had he been eligible. By the way, some great strong names I looked up in mock yeah. draft. Spencer Tol- Tor- Torkelson. Torkelson. Pete Crow Armstrong. <laughs> and Asa Lacey. All right. Just some strong names. Yeah. Imagine if one of those guys is. Okay, so that's what's what? Five guys, and there's no guy who's running away with it yeah. as of right now. I mean, right. again, last year, we talked about it. Like, if there was ever a time for the Orioles to definitely go, like, kind of all in to this rebuild, it was this past year because you had the clear-cut number one guy who's an Adley Rushman being the number one overall pick. We don't know who that is quite yet. You know, there might not be a big drop-off between, say, one and three in, in next year's draft. So as long as, you know, you're not falling out of, like, the top five, right? you're still going to get – a, a quality player who could be a corner piece in your franchise for, in the years to come. Yeah. I am definitely in the camp, though, you know, if if you have the means, no pun intended, to, to, get, to <laughs> secure be the worst pick. team in baseball, just be the worst team in right. baseball and get the number one overall pick in back-to-back seasons. Well, the fact that's, a, that, that's a sure thing, then, because then yeah. it's in your control. Like, yeah. you know, the White Sox, I mean, excuse me, not the White Sox, the, uh, the Royals were not in control of their pick because... They had to wait to see what the Orioles did. Number one, right? You know, if you're number one, you're in total control of the draft because you get the you get the first selection. So I would rather have that option than have to base my selection, whether it's a top three, top two, whatever, on what the guys in front of me have to do. And the fact that you look at the the other teams around the Orioles right now, Detroit traded off some pieces. They traded off Shane Green at the deadline. The 
Royals traded off some of their better pieces right at the deadline. The Orioles pretty much stood pat. Right, so those teams got worse right. within the past week, <laughs> and the Orioles are stayed the same. Exactly. So, if not, And they're playing really hot, so it's kind of like a perfect uh, yeah. you know, mixture of, yeah, all these other bad teams got even worse while the Orioles are playing the best baseball of the season. Right. And while not trading off anybody. Yeah. Significant. I will say, on the other side, to play devil's advocate... And and also, you know, I, I agree with it. It's just, it's not the, and to, to calm fans, it's not the only thing. You know, it's not. Right, right. And, you know, even if you get the number one overall pick back to back, there's no guarantee that, you know, Ali Rutschman and whoever it is in 2020 are going to be yeah. future Hall of Famers and, and bring this team back to contention and win pennants and World Series. Well, there's and, no guarantee for that. And the, it just increases your odds, I think. And the Astros had the number one overall pick and they, they made some mistakes. They drafted Mark Appel, who. Never made it to the big leagues with mm-hmm. one of those number one overall picks. And the other guy is no longer in the Astros organization. I don't know. He may have made his debut. I, I can't remember who it is. But of those three number one overall picks, they pretty much only hit on one, which was Carlos Correa. Yeah. So the more that you have, the better chance. But unlike, you know, if this were like the NBA and you get a Zion Williamson, if you get the number one overall pick and you're the, the Knicks just sitting there waiting to get that pick, it's mm. like, Poor it's not, it's, <laughs> it's not the only thing. It's not, right. the, you know. And also like, obviously there's a huge difference between basketball, football, even hockey, then baseball, just because yeah. of the depth of the draft exactly. and, and all the minor league guys. And, you know, you, you know, there are guys that happen that come out of you know the 14th round, the 67th round, yeah. or whatever, or go undrafted in science and then make it to the big leagues yeah. and, and become huge parts of your franchise. But I also, to back to the original question, I also understand like you. Can, I mean, if you're Michael Lass and Brandon High, you can't just because you want the number one overall pick. <laughs> yeah. You can't go to your you know train, hey. You guys really need to start losing. Yeah. Like that's not that's not. And like you said, Michael Elias said that last week when he spoke to the media. That's not their mindset. They want to win games. Yeah, they want to win ball games, and that's. Obviously, priority number one as players, as a team organization. But, you know, down the line, I, I would just be worried. I don't think this is going to happen because I think there are teams that are way better than the Orioles and they'll fall. I don't want them to fall out of, like, the top five. Yeah. And I don't think they're in danger of doing no, that. I don't think so. But, you know, I would be wary if, like, you know, then we're getting, like, all right, we're playing too good. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And then also, yeah, the fact that they didn't actually trade anyone at the deadline also helps in the sense that, you know, all your best players are still here while other teams got worse. Exactly. And and not only would the players not, you know, take a step back at any point, but also, like, Brandon Hyde would never, like, make a managerial decision to lose ever. Oh, no. It, it, they, they are trying to win, you yeah. know, and they're playing the best players. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a uh, a tanking scenario. No, no. It's not. And I don't think it should be either. I, I, I was just under – I'm surprised because I was under the impression that this team is going to be the worst team in baseball, bar none. And that is fine because that means you get the number one overall pick in back-to-back seasons, which is a good thing, especially with teams going through this rebuild. I'm just surprised that, one, they weren't able to make any trades, so they didn't get worse, yep. which is a, is a good thing. But two, also that you know they're able to play at this level. And then you think about across the board, all the injuries, like we mentioned, like no Mark Trumbull this entire season, no Alex Cobb for majority. He made, what, two starts? Yeah. Um, they traded Andrew Kashner away, who was having their best season as a starting pitcher. Um, Richard Blyer... Well, obviously, he was coming off some injuries and hasn't been here. Like some of the main corner pieces haven't been here, and yet they're still finally able to win, which again is a good thing. Yeah, but it's just like, oh, you know what? It's now it's like becoming a scenario where we're kind of playing our way out of the number yeah. one overall pick. Well, and you're you're exactly right because it's like these. If you were to say like 
at the beginning of the season, Mark Trumbo, who is like... Yeah, all these guys would not play. These are major, at least major league hitters. But the Orioles would be better than the Royals yeah. and the Tigers. You'd be like, no. Yeah, the, the fact that, you know, at the beginning of the season, it's like, what would the Orioles have to do to not be the worst team in baseball? And I would say, well, they would probably need a healthy Mark Trumbo. They probably need a good season from Dylan Bundy. They haven't really gotten that. Right. They would probably need, I don't know, maybe somebody like a Dan Straley to work out. That didn't work out. Yeah. The fact that they are running out a lineup every night which is made up of guys who are not proven MLB players to this point, right. who have very little MLB experience. There, there are really barely any proven MLB players in their lineup, and they're still able to go 500 over a month. Yeah, That is really impressive. Yeah, I mean, Trey Mancini is, and, and Chris Davis are probably the closest thing that you can think of in terms of experienced Major League players that they're throwing out there. Yeah. Other than that, it's like Pedro Severino and Chance Sisko and Anthony Santander. It's like, and they're still winning. Right, and I would have told you that, yeah, Trey Mancini and Renato Nunes are each going to hit they're going to hit over 30 home runs this season, and Anthony Santander is going to be one of your best overall hitters by the yeah. end season's end. You've been like, there's no chance, if that's the case, that the Orioles aren't the worst team in baseball. But they, they're they not. Yeah. They're they're playing. And like you said, they're four. It's not like the Tigers just overcame them and like j- just after the trade deadline. No, they've been – the Orioles yeah. have been in not last place yeah. for a while now. So it's like it's not a new thing. It's not like a – just a spur of the moment, like, you know, oh, yeah, because the Orioles won yesterday and the Tigers lost, they flip-flopped. No, it's been this case. This has been the case for the past couple of weeks. And we didn't know before the season. We had never heard the names Aaron Brooks, right. Asher Wojciechowski, Tom Eshelman. pronounce it. Yeah, like, we had never heard of these guys that are starting games and are making, and, and even John Means, like, we had maybe yeah. heard of him, but we had no idea that these guys were going to be starting the bulk of the games. Yeah. And they're starting every their, their rotation right now. Sands Kashner. For the meantime, Sands Bundy. They've had to struggle. You know, have to make up with John Means being injured a little I was bit. Say yeah, it means too. They are throwing out there guys like Aaron Brooks, Wojciechowski, um, Yakabonis, and Eshelman every yeah. day, and they are still winning these games. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, take it with a grain of. I mean, it's like it's great that they're winning. You know, it gives fans and some us to something. To, to root for, to yeah. cheer for. It's like, hey, this team's actually... And we've also talked about, too, that, like, you know, say for every once in a while, the game that gets away from you, like, the Orioles, for the most part, have been in some games. Like, if you look at the... Some of their final scores don't tell the full story. Like, right. if you watch their entire body of work, they, they've been in some of these... A lot of these games that they've ended up losing, which is, like... Great, because it felt like last year at times they were never competitive. No. And like it was always blowout after blowout. You would only tune in to watch Manny Machado slug a home run and you're counting down the days until yeah. they got traded. And then now it's like, all right, can they hang in and can they pull this one out? Because it feels like every night they're at least in it. And the other thing is they it just felt like if they were close in a game last year, they lost. Yeah, it just felt like they were never going to close it. I I can't no recall how many times they had the, a run, a one run or two run lead down the stretch and they blew it, or the offense just didn't come up when they needed to. Yeah, this Orioles team, say what you want, they are nine and twelve in one run games. Yeah, that's kind of impressive, that's impressive. for a team that is that that is thirty eight and seventy three. Now keep in mind that's also not that many one run games. True, but for, <laughs> for how many for. You're winning nine out of twenty-one. It's still pretty good. It's it's that 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 is I think in itself kind of impressive. Yeah, it's just. But also, look if you go go further on that box score to the side, mm-hmm. they have a winning record against the Blue Jays, which we established the Blue Jays are a bad team. But they split this past weekend. Also, this series kind of was a microcosm of the whole season because the Thursday game got away from them. Yeah, fine. Uh, Friday night they were in it, but weren't able to pull it out. 
Saturday they had to come back to win it, and then yesterday they had to hold on to win it. Yeah. So it's like that's kind of how their season has gone, except for the 500 play. Right, you know, the right, 500 yeah. record. Usually it's like they're probably losing three out of four, able to salvage one. Um, but then, you know, obviously the Red Sox aren't that aren't playing that great. They're not playing like the defending World Series champions, but they're only five, they're five and eight against the Red yeah. Sox. And the Red Sox are above 500. I mean, yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not saying they're a bad team, but they're not yeah. as good as we no, expect yeah. them to, but they're still a good team and the Orioles are playing them well. Yeah. Um, exactly. Now the tough part is going to be coming up because they do have a terrible record against the Yankees. They're only two and 10 against the Yankees and they yeah. play them. Oh, let's see here. Seven times in the next week <laughs> <laughs> because they start a three game series tonight and then they have a four game series next weekend in, in New York with the Astros in between. Yeah. <laughs> so two of the best teams, the two best teams in the American League, two of the best teams in all of baseball. It's going to be tough. And back to back to back series. Uh, and then they go to Boston to place the Red Sox, who are uh, mentioned Red Sox. So right. this is going to be a tough stretch. So we'll see if they're able to hold on to like this, what, the right. uh, second to last place, third to last place position. But um, it's impressive they are winning now. Yeah. So all of our fears in terms of them not, not getting the first overall pick might be assuaged might over be. the next two weeks. Yeah. But yeah. as of right now, again, August 5th, the Orioles aren't the worst team in baseball. I would have. I think everyone was kind of anticipating a wire to wire situation of them being the worst team yeah, in baseball, pretty and, much. and they're not. And that's that's a good thing. No, there's still plenty of time for them to end up. You know, we can look back at this, Paul, and if you know at the end of the season the Orioles end up having do have the worst record, we can look back and be like, well, you know, it wasn't that bad of a season because there were times when they were playing really well and they weren't the worst team. Like yeah. they were. You know, it wasn't a wire-to-wire situation. So maybe we'll kind of get both, both the best of both worlds, what we both want here in terms of they do end up with the number one overall pick next year, but also this season wasn't like a, a, a drag on yeah. because they were just so bad. No, they actually played really well at times, and it was fun to watch. Exactly. It's a fun time right now to be an Orioles yeah. fan. For the it's least, a good homestand. At, at least the past month. Yeah, very, very good homestand. Some nice games, yeah. some beautiful days, some 4,000 scouts out in the yeah. left field. Some pups in the park, yeah. all the good stuff. All the good dogs. Um, I teased a while ago that uh, we would read out some five-star reviews, by the way, if we got some. I got a great one from uh, Lovely. Lovely five-star review from Colonel Steve T. The Colonel. The Colonel. Uh, as an Orioles fan, I love the insightful discussions and information on this podcast. I look forward to every episode. That's what you can get is your 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 name shouted out on this podcast. All if right. you give us five stars, like, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. And that's on Apple Podcasts? Apple Podcasts. There you go. Um yeah, and I, I will pretty much read it out if uh, if yeah. it's five stars, no matter how. Uh, you, you could give us a five-star review and then just bash us in the actual review, yeah. um, and I'll read that out. <laughs> Available on Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud as well. You can also catch us, watch us um, on Facebook.com slash Mass and All Access or Mass and Orioles, yep. and then at Mass and Orioles on Twitter and Instagram, and then at Bobby underscore Blanco. At Paul Mancano. It's like... It's like anywhere books are sold. It's like, where can you find your book? Anywhere books anywhere are sold. Anywhere books are sold. Anywhere podcasts are heard. You can or find watched. It. Or watched. Mass and All Access Podcast. YouTube Thanks. too. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys.